Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Thank you very much. What a morning. Excellent. Yeah, do find a space at the front. It's always nicer to speak to people rather than chairs. Um, Good stuff. If you're new here or you're come to support uh, the dedication of Oliver this morning, uh, we're in the middle of a teaching series entitled Simple Church. And uh, last week was our first week, so quick catch up on that. Uh, with this concept that simple things often become complicated. Life starts simply. Church, ideally, starts simply. It gets complex really quickly. And so we try to find ways of how can we simplify church? How can we get to the root of what we are about and why do we do what we do? We'll reveal to you in a bit our Freedom Rocket, which has caused much humor amongst the members and partners of Freedom Church, probably for the quality of my graphics and drawing, I'm sure. Uh, But we said, how do we stay simple? We remind ourselves of why do we do what we do? And last week, we asked the question, why is it that we do church? Why do we do what we do? Why do we follow Jesus? And we came to the simple, but I believe a very profound conclusion, that God loves us. That God loves you, and God loves me, and that's why we do what we do. That's what I said in 35 minutes last week. So you can listen to the podcast, or you can go, I've got it, Sim, it's okay. I want to encourage you as well tonight before we move on to the rest of our uh, uh, week two here is um, tonight we have our night of worship. It's the first time in a few months we've had the opportunity. I want to encourage you to be there. We've got, I believe I've got a word for the church. I believe we're going to have some creative times of worship and we're going to express a bit more about this God that we uh, believe loves us so much. And I think Jim's got a couple of new songs for us as well. And I'm saying this publicly to put him under a slight bit of pressure. Come on, Jim. He's been writing and desperate to kind of get it pulled out of him. So let's encourage him and be there tonight as part of our night of worship. Today I want to talk about um, everyone being welcome. And I'm glad to hear when uh, Fraser said the first time they came to Freedom Church, they were welcomed really well. I'm glad to hear that. You didn't just get prompted. And hopefully those who are visiting this morning, you got welcomed really well to church. But historically, the church has got a terrible track record of welcoming people, at being inclusive. It has a terrible track record. Over the summer, I read an article about the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby. He was interviewed by probably the more famous um, Kate Botley, the vicar of Gogglebox. Some of you are nodding a little bit too enthusiastically at this point. I don't understand why you watch TV to watch people watch TV. I know, some people go, it's amazing, I don't... lost on me. Really? If I want to do that, I could sit in my own lounge and watch my own family watch TV. But he said this. He's being interviewed at the Greenbelt Festival. And he said this. He was very honest about his own failings. He said he spends a lot of time feeling like a fraud. And I love this. Whenever he went, wherever he went, he found people who could do his job infinitely better than he could. That was very honest. But he said this line that really gripped me. I am constantly consumed with horror at the way the church has treated people who are different to them. It's true, isn't it? Many of us, I'm sure, have got stories. And considering how Jesus himself operated, it's shocking the way the church historically, and now, you know, it's not just a historical comment. This is something that happens now, how people are treated in the name of the church. So I want to use a well-known story to wrap this concept up in, and it's the story of the prodigal son. You know the bit where Jesus is telling the story of the lost sheep, he's told the story of the lost coin, and then in Luke 15, he says this, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. 
A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Brackets, whatever you think that might be. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land that he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. I love these last four words. So the party began. So the party began. I don't know if you've ever been anywhere for the first time and felt really uncomfortable. You know, this week, my Facebook feed has been filled with people's children going to school. You know, the ones with immaculate school uniforms. They've just come out of the shop. The shoes are unscuffed, and they're all ready to go for that first experience of school, especially those who are entering maybe primary or secondary school. It's a big shift. And I know my children, they came back having to learn different teachers, different classrooms, different locations, finding new friends. It can be uncomfortable doing something for the first time. I don't know when you ever went to that, you know, that first you went to an expensive restaurant or a different type of food you never had before and you're not sure which bit of cutlery to pick up and you're looking at people around the table trying to get the clues from others. You ever had that experience and wondering, what do I do? What do I do first? A couple of um, weeks ago, it was uh, our 20th wedding anniversary and like a good husband I am, I thought I would do something to really treat my wife. She said, I would love to go for a spa break. I thought, darling... If you want a spa break, Sim will deliver. So I got this fantastic deal for a spa break. I know you're worried now. Fantastic deals are never good, are they? But I did. I I bought really well. We got a beautiful hotel in the middle of Midhurst, and we turned up for this spa break. But I've never done a spa break before in my life. I have got no idea what you're meant to do, and I am just turning up there, and they they give you a pile of robes and towels and fancy things, and I'm not sure which way round it goes or anything. And I am just awkward and I am uncomfortable. And there are people walking around who obviously know the rules and routine. Some of you, like, you, you love the spa break. Yeah, and some of you are going, I can't wait. I wish my husband would do that. I mean, I'm not sure Lottie appreciated me being there because I was just all the time, what do I do now? Does, does this robe look all right? Is it front, backwards? What am I doing? I felt uncomfortable because I'd never done that before. What about the first time you ever went home to your girlfriend or your boyfriend's house? Remember that moment? I remember that moment. My mother-in-law, who's sitting over there, on my first visit to Lottie's house when she was 15, gave me stuffed marrow. 
probably the least favorite meal I've ever had in my life. But because I was the new boyfriend, I ate it gallantly. And she goes, oh, you obviously enjoyed that. Do you want some more? Ah, oh, no, lovely. Thanks. I've never had it since. 20 years have gone by very quickly in that matter. But that moment of trying to behave and know what, what's the rules, what, how do I do this? And it's the same when we come into church for the first time. For those of you who've done this for years, but others, you come and you think, how do we do church? How do I sit? Where do I go? What are the rules? What do I say? How do I get myself a drink? Do I ask? Do I pay? How does it work? And it's unusual. It's uncomfortable. When to stand? When to sit? When to sing songs? Why have people got their hands in the air? There's loads of questions people have when they come into the church for the first time. So this idea of everyone being welcome, we want to kind of just unpack some of that this morning. How do you make sure people feel really welcome when they come into our church or any churches we may be part of? And so we came at this concept last week of the Freedom Church Rocket. Please reveal this newly uh, edited rocket. I know you're in awe of the artwork. I can see it in your eyes. But the concept, thank you, whoever said beautiful. I'll pay you later on. But here's the thing. We just want to find a way to express. We're all about finding and following Jesus. And there are six kind of pieces of our jigsaw that just kind of worked as a rocket. It doesn't really matter that it's a rocket. It's not some deep significance necessarily. But we want to make sure those things are central to who we are. And without going into details, you can break that down in the next few weeks. The first one we're looking at is that red square there. We're talking about everyone being welcome. We want this to be part of our culture, part of who we are, that everyone is being welcomed because that is what God has modeled to us. That's what he models in the story of the prodigal son. It's really important that we take this risk. Some people say, well, isn't that a bit risky having people coming into your church? They might mess things up. They might upset the way we do things. But God took the risk for us. He pursued us. Why shouldn't we take the risk for others? I'm going to quote someone here. Tim Parker said this to me this week. He said, a Sunday experience which focuses on welcoming people isn't a threat to your faith. It's an opportunity for your faith. And hopefully you meet new people. It's a chance to express your faith to others and tell them about the God that you know loves you. In Acts chapter 2, we looked last week at the 10 hallmarks of the early church and how it operated. And one of those was they met together regularly. In fact, they met every single day. They met and they gathered together. They enjoyed the goodwill of all the people and each day God added to their number. And the first thing I want to talk about today in this everyone's welcome um, concept is about being together. It's good to be together. It's good to be connected and to be part of something bigger than ourselves. Hebrews 10, 25 says this, and let's not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. Let's continue to meet together. You know, I think sometimes we've lost the benefits and understanding of what it is like to gather as church. People have different reasons why they do or don't. But I believe there's a great commitment as we meet together, creating a great welcome and a second home that people can come to. It's a safe place for you and for me. It's important that we gather and we gather regularly. Stuart Bell said this, when we gather, we are assembled. We are assembled. And there's something about the word church comes from the word ecclesia. Ecclesia was a phrase that was used that just means a gathering, an assembly. It was even used in the Bible to describe a riot. There was a group of people in the town centre causing a riot. It was an ecclesia. There's this gathering, this church community that got together. The ecclesia, when we assemble, 
like an Ikea unit gets kind of assembled, hopefully with some spare screws at the end of it. When we gather, we are assembled. We are built up before being sent out. When we gather, we are assembled. And throughout Scripture, we see moments where people get together. People are assembled and people are in one place. In the Old Testament, there was loads of festivals and feasts, really random. If you look through the different books of the Bible, in Leviticus, Numbers especially, there's listing of all these different feasts where people would gather for different reasons. I would love to be involved in the festival of the, uh, the, uh, the trumpets. It sounds like a lot of fun. Bring your trumpet today uh, to work there. I'm not sure. But then you had the covenants that were being made and renewed, and people would gather in the city center, the town center, and make commitments to one another, covenants, promises, whether that would be marriage, whether that be a, a business a transaction, they would be doing these renewals and connections there at the city gates. And they would regularly meet for worship. All throughout the Psalms, we see the people who gathered for worship within the Old Testament. And I'm whizzing through here for the sake of time. In the New Testament, people then gathered to Jesus. Thousands of people gathered around Jesus' ministry. When he preached and when he taught and when he told his stories, when they gathered, they would break bread together and they would communicate uh, that God's love by listening to his word and sitting around the feet of Jesus. People gathered. People gathered in the early church for community, Acts 5, breaking bread for devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They gathered regularly. And I want to give us seven reasons that I believe we need to gather as church today, the importance of gathering as church today. You can take your notes. Turn them on. Lovely. Okay, here we go. Seven things that I think we need to be uh, recognizing happens when we gather together. Number one, we've said this a little bit already, we assemble together so we can respond to God's invitation. You know, I believe God makes an invitation to us. He invites us to the feast. And it's not, shall I go? Shall I come be bothered? It's, we may miss an opportunity to experience the presence of God. Why would I not go? You're invited. There is an invitation that God makes. The, the parable of the great feast in Luke 14, um, Jesus tells this story about this man who has a party, he has a feast, and he says to his servants, invite all my friends to the party. And they go and they invite everyone, but everyone has excuses. One says, I've just bought a field and I must inspect it. I love that. Got to go look at a field. Another one says, um, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another says, I've just got married, so I can't be there. And the servant returns and his master is furious. And he says, go into all the town, go to the highways, go to the byways, go find the beggars, go find the lowly people and bring them to my party. My place will not be empty. The house will be full. For none of those I first invite will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. God wants his house to be full. I want our Alpha course that starts a week on Wednesday to be full. If you haven't invited someone yet, get hold of one of the invitations and go see someone this week and let's get that place filled up. But when it comes to our Sunday and our gathering and getting together, we don't need to make those excuses. And to be honest, the excuse that Jesus used in the parable are still many people's excuses today. We've got relationships, family to sort out. We are busy with our possessions. And, you know, we have just got life is just hectic. I can't fit it into my schedule. 
But I want to say to you, there's something prepared for us when we gather. There's an invitation to something of God. He wants to express himself to us. It needs us to be there to enjoy his presence. Secondly, it's a place where we express our commitment. To express our commitment, moving from being a cultural Christian to a committed Christian. We need to go for a place of committing ourselves. We're part of this. We're committing to being part of this community. When I turn up and stand here, I say, I'm part of this thing. I'm committed to who we are. I'm part of this family. You've probably heard the story of the wife saying to her husband, honey, we have to go to church. And the husband goes, but I don't want to go to church today. And she says, well, you have to. You're the church leader. Truthfully, I've always enjoyed coming to church pretty much all my life. But there are those moments where you think, do I have to? Where I'm tired. It's been a busy week. It's the last thing on my mind, really. But I know every time I come into church, I am refilled and refueled. Thirdly, it's a place where we are recalibrated. When we come into church and we sing the songs that remind us of who God is, there is a realignment that takes place. And it cleanses our hearts. It reminds us of God and his purposes and his plans for us. Fourthly, I believe we are stronger together. When we gather, we are together and our faith increases. When we hear the story of people like Will and what he's done, you think, yeah, that's amazing. Lucy, 275 pounds of being quiet for two hours. That's Wow, I think I need to start doing that. I'll get my children to. But what a great way to raise money, to raise funds, to raise profile for the work in Uganda and the trip later on this year. And I hear those stories and my faith rise. If they can do that, what could I do? How could I serve God? What could I get involved with? Our faith increases. Fifthly, it's like a gym. It's a spiritual workout for the soul. When you go to the gym, you exercise and your heart gets stronger. When you come to church, you have a spiritual workout, and it does your heart good. Sixth, uh, the devil's plans are thwarted. You know, roaming around like a roaring lion, 1 Peter 5 tells us, looking for someone to devour. Can I say, when you are by yourself as a Christian, you are very, very vulnerable. It's amazing the conversations people have in their heads by themselves. It's unhealthy and you are vulnerable. And I, I talked to somebody yesterday, not been to church for a while. I said, we've not seen you for a while. You're okay. She said, oh, yes. I'm, I'm fully part of the church. Don't worry. I'm still part of things and I'll be there eventually. I just need some me time. Me time. This was yesterday afternoon. I need some me time. And I remember thinking, I'm not sure that's a healthy thing for too much me time. I think you need some God time, some community time, some engaging with one another in a place where you are healthy. We mustn't get isolated. It can get dangerous. We are vulnerable. The devil is walking around, prowls around like a roaring lion, 1 Peter 5 says. Let's make sure that we are safe and we stay together. And lastly, one of the reasons why we're doing night of worship tonight for me, it's so the sound of heaven breaks in. I, I don't know how I can find a line t- to prove this, but every time I gather with God's people, something changes. 
there is a, a, a different sound that takes place. There is a different, uh, something that happens, I believe, in the heavenlies and in my heart at the same time when God's people gather. When we go to church and there is a room full of people who love Jesus and we sing our songs and declarations of God's love for us, there is something that takes place that says, you know what, God is alive. God is real. And there is a sound of heaven taking off. And I get to participate in an early rendition of what heaven's going to be like. I don't know about you, but I love that. And I want to encourage you when we get together, that's what happens in those times. Can I encourage you? I know some of you are here visiting from other churches. Can I encourage whatever church you are part of? Can I encourage you to make the commitment to show up whenever you can and when the church meets? It will do you good and it will do the church good. Listen, you're always more of a blessing when you're there at the church than when you're not there. We want to see us together as a community. Let's make sure we stay together and everyone being welcome. The second thing I want to say is this. I want to talk about crossing the divide. In this idea about everyone being welcome, we gather as church, great, important to be together, brilliant. But sometimes we end up with this split between sacred and secular. We have this kind of thinking that there's the world out there and then there's the church in here. And sometimes I think the world likes it that the church keeps its church stuff in the church box. Don't you come out here telling us your stuff. But can I say something very sad but true? I think sometimes church people like it when the world stay out there. You in your small corner and I in mine. You remember that song? Jesus bids us shine with a pure, pure light. Some of you are nodding all about time, a proper song. You in your small corner and I in mine. Really? We were never called to be people that hide away from the world. We're called to be fully part of the world. We need to take our great idea of being welcome and everyone being welcome out of this box called church and into our community. It is never intended just to be a welcome on the door of a Sunday service. That's where it starts. And it's easy someone to plaster a smile on your face to get there on the big team at 8.30 and set up all the chairs. And then as people come in, ah, good morning, it's great to see you. And you shake hands, you smile and rack your brains to see if you can remember their names. That's fantastic. But what does it look like during the week? Are you that person on a Thursday? In the summer, we went for a day trip to the Isle of Wight. And we decided to go to Ventnor Beach for a day out as a family. And uh, long story, but essentially I dropped all the family off at the beach because it was pretty busy. And I said, I'll go park the car, you go and find a spot. And you know what it's like trying to find a spot on a busy beach. And so I went to go park the car. Even longer story, uh, you know, no cash machine that only takes a phone, no signal for the phone. Um, anyway, eventually no cash machine on the seafront of Ventnor either. But 45 minutes later, I get back to the beach and the family have placed the all-important picnic blanket upon the beach and they are around the edge of the picnic blanket like guarding the space. But there are two older people seated on our picnic blankets. Their, their deck chairs are touching the picnic blankets. And I've spent 45 minutes parking the car, and I'm just looking forward to being with my family for a day out. I'm, I'm having a day off, and there are people on my picnic blanket. And I'm walking up, and my wife, who is the loveliest half of our, of our married union, absolutely, as you all know, and she's chatting and she's loving and their granddaughter is playing with our daughter and it's all lovely and I am not impressed one bit. And I know I'm the only person in the room that ever has had this experience and I'm, and I'm walking down the steps and I can see them and I'm thinking, oh no, Lottie's made friends. 
And the everyone's welcome piece of the Freedom Rocket has gone. It's flown. It's hit the moon. I'm going, really? And I do this thing. I don't know if you've done this before. I had to speak to myself. I say, Sim, sort yourself out. These are people. God loves them. People matter. You suck it all up and find out their names and who they are and what, is it, what they are about. And I had to work hard at smiling and, and being welcoming and loving them. My wife knew, don't worry. She knew exactly. Afterwards, when they'd gone, she went, you didn't like that, did you? Oh, I thought I'd hidden it well. No? Oh, anyway, that was my moment. Listen, there is not a world full of worldly people and a church full of churchy people. There is just a world full of people. And people really matter. People really matter to God. That's why we want a church for all. Paul says in Galatians 3, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And then he says in Colossians, in case you find that difficult, he says this, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. The church is meant to be a church for all. It was never meant to be an exclusive club. It's meant to be regardless of our demographics, our age, our sexuality, our race, our wealth, our status, and whether we are a church attender regular or not. We are just all about people because people really matter to God. Many of you will know the story of, of Jesus clearing out the temple in Matthew 21. It's a well-known story about Jesus turning the tables on the traders there in the temple. And often it's used as an argument of why we shouldn't have Sunday trading. We shouldn't have trading on Sunday. Jesus didn't like it. But if you look closely at the text there, Jesus was upset because the temple had become a segregated accessibility to the center of the temple. Not everybody was allowed into the temple. Listen, if, if, you were, if you were disabled, or you were a woman, or you were a child, you weren't allowed in the temple. And if you weren't a Jew, you couldn't get into the center of the temple. Only Jewish men were allowed at the very center of the temple. And obviously, then only Jewish priests were allowed at the Holy of Holies, and even that on a rotor. And there was a system of segregation. And the people, the traders there, were selling sacrifices and had to use special temple money. They'd create their own um, money. they created their own system. And Jesus was saying, this is not how it was meant to be. You've messed up the plan of my father's house. And what I love about the version, because it's in every gospel, the version in Matthew 21, in verse 14, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. The blind and the lame weren't allowed into the part where Jesus was, but they came in. The next verse, it says here, um, the leading priest and the teacher of the religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. There are children in the temple. There are disabled people. There are blind people in the temple. Why? Because Jesus said, my father's house is here for everybody. And he pulled away the tables saying, I want to give access to every single person. When Jesus died and the, the, you know, the, the, the curtain tore from, from top to bottom and entry to the heavenly, of, uh, the, the holy of the holies. Access for all. Jesus didn't just teach this. He lived this out. And so often I think I've been to churches where people are more concerned about people's lifestyle choices. They're more concerned about what they're wearing, about their financial status, about which education they had, than who they are as a person. Can I say, before you find out about what people do, just ask them their name. Ask them their name. Before you start putting them into a box of people I'd like to know and people I don't really care about, ask them their name. 
There's a famous quote by Abraham Lincoln. He said this. He said, I don't like that person. I must go and get to know them better. How true is that? Can I also just in passing talk about the various generations? I'm so glad we had a dedication this morning of Oliver. And I want to say about the generations, in this church and hopefully in all church, we don't pass batons from one generation to the next. When we say everyone is welcome, we mean everyone is welcome. And what we don't say is to the older members of our church, your time is done, hand us the baton. And we say to the younger members of the church, you sit over there and wait for your big moment. Because if you do that, you've got two-thirds of your church redundant. And that's not what we're about. Everyone participates in God's purposes. Everyone is welcome. And we don't pass batons. We honor our older generation. We say, thank you for running the race you've run, but you're still part of us. We still need you to be with us. And to the younger people, we're not waiting for your time to come one day. Your time is now. Thank you that Lucy and people her age can participate in our church community and not just wait for the moment they're adults and they can actually contribute. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. I am convinced that everybody has greatness within them. Everybody has greatness within them. Some take a bit longer to dig down and find it. Some people want you to dig down. They want to know if you care enough to unpeel the layers to discover the greatness within them. I'm always blown away when I find out people's incredible hidden talents. It's amazing. I want us to be a church where everyone is welcome. We will continue to be a church where we are hospitable. I love the fact we do our refreshments before and after the meeting. And it is good coffee. There is no instant coffee in this church. If there is, I want to know about it. And we'll have some kind of, you know, sort of sacrificial burning of it or something. But we've got to make sure we look after and do things well. It's not because we want people to be comfortable and therefore not challenged, but we want people to be welcome. We want people to feel like they're home. This should be people's second home. We don't want church to be slick. We want it to be welcoming. We don't want to be a machine. We want it to be a community. Andy Stanley says, all ministry takes place in an environment. And where you are and the way you set yourself up says something about who you are. You know, when people come around your house for a meal or for a drink, hopefully you are ready for them. You're prepared for them. You're looking forward to them coming. And that's why we have our big team that get here early and they set things up and they try and make a school hall look as welcoming as it possibly can do, depending on your experience of school, because we want you to feel as welcome as possible. We want the environment to be as welcoming as possible. What we prepare for, we are more likely to experience. We're going to miss the third section. Sorry for those who are desperate to hear another 20 minutes of my talk. Um, But if you're in connect groups at Freedom Church, They'll have the notes. They can go through that a little bit more detail. This idea of being 24-7 witnesses. But I want to say this. The gospel message of Jesus Christ is for all. Jesus, while on the cross, reached out to the, the thief who said, even this day you will be in paradise. He was welcomed. Or the woman that was caught in adultery and the town were going to stone her for her sinning. And Jesus stopped them. To go and sin no more. Or Zacchaeus, the small tax collector hiding up a tree, Jesus spoke to him. He said, I want to come to your house. I want to engage with you. I want to connect with you. Or the woman at the well who had multiple husbands, Jesus spoke to her. He engaged with her. She was of value to him. Everyone is welcome because people really matter. It's the model that God Himself 
shows us because that's how he welcomes us. Get the worship team back up on the stage. That'd be great. I want to set you all a challenge, if I can, for this week. I want to challenge you to speak to somebody you have never spoken to before. Let that hang for a little bit longer. He doesn't mean me, does he? I'd love you to speak to somebody you've never spoken to before. God may be using you to connect with somebody to point them to him. Speak to someone you've never spoken to before. And I'm not just talking about after church and Sunday, by all means do that. But I'm talking during your week. You know, I, I, I've lived in my house for three years. We've had the same postman for three years. About two weeks ago, I said, we need to get on first name terms because you are always in my house with some catalogue or something. And his name's James. And every time I see him, and I've told the family, I said, his name's James. Let's, let's, let's call him by his first name. Let's find out about him. Let's get to know him as a person. Because he's coming down my drive. And those who know my drive, it's quite a steep drive. Every day, he's coming down my drive. And let's make sure we get to know those people. Could you speak to someone you've never spoken to before? Could you join the big team, become a welcomer on the door, help with car parking, tape their seats, serve refreshments? Could you do that? Could you find out something about someone at work you've never known before? Or maybe you could go that whole hog and invite someone on an Alpha course. Say you'll come with them or invite them to church next Sunday. You never know they might say yes. It could be the start of their life being changed. I was, I was reading a book this week, a, a draft of a book a friend of mine's writing, who is a, a church minister of a very large church. And he sent me his draft of his book. And in it, he tells his story of how he became a Christian. He became a Christian because someone at the age of seven invited him as a friend at school to a church holiday club, age seven. He's now in his mid-50s, and he's been ministering for God for 30 years plus because a seven-year-old said to another seven-year-old, our church got a club in the summer. Do you want to come along? If they can do it, I'm sure we could. What would Freedom Church look like and the churches you go to if you come from elsewhere? If everyone was welcome with open arms, we lived everyday lives that was opening and welcoming to all. Let's stand, shall we? For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.